What do you want Jesus to do for you? You know, there was a uh, UPS advertising campaign that came out in 2002. What can Brown do for you? Do you remember that? It was a very successful campaign. And I think they retired at about 2010, something like that, and came out with another thing that says, We Heart Logistics. But I remember, what can Brown do for you? And it's like, whatever you want, they can do it. It, um, it reminded me of this question Jesus asks a couple times in Mark chapter 10. And I just noticed this week how many times he asks it. Mark 10, verse 46, is a story of Jesus encountering the blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Verse 46 of Mark 10. They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, and a great multitude, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, rise, he's calling you. And throwing off his mantle, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Well, he's blind, isn't it? It's pretty obvious what he wants. But it's important for Jesus for us to ask. The blind man said to him, Master, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. Pray with me. Father, there's so many things we would like you to do for us. But the most important thing you've already done for most of us, and that's save us from our sins and cleanse us and forgive us. But there are others who need to hear in China, in Peru, in Kenya, and in Tifton. And so help us to tell and be faithful because someone told us. In your name we pray. Amen. People are always asking Jesus to do something for them, and not only did he do what they were asking for, but often he did even more, what they may not have realized they needed. Because Jesus never viewed anybody as unworthy or as an outcast. He regarded every person as a child of God created in the image of God. It didn't matter what their circumstances were. It didn't matter what disease they suffered with, their disability, the color of their skin, their language, their accent. None of that mattered. He just practiced what he taught. How one treats others is a direct relationship of how one treats God. And this story in Mark 10 is an illustration of that. Blind Bartimaeus begging by the side of the road just outside the city. And he's begging outside the gate to the city of Jericho. And someone asked him why. He might give the same answer Willie Sutton gave when someone asked him why he robbed banks. Do you remember what he said? That's where the money is. Jericho was a wealthy trade city on one of the main routes to Jerusalem. He may have been blind, Bartimaeus, but he wasn't dumb. And the event narrates the story. It takes place where Jesus and his disciples are traveling on the road from Jericho to Jerusalem, on the way to Jerusalem for Passover. Many were with them, a multitude, and sitting at the gate, collecting denarii, in the dust was a man who begged at that same gate every day because he was blind. 
And Mark gives us a, an interesting detail. He says that he's Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, which if you understand Hebrew, that's redundant because Bar means son of. So he's Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus. And he heard the excited babble of the crowd around him. He was told that Jesus was passing through and he began to shout loudly, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people tried to hush him and he shouted all the louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, you fool, you're saying too much. Son of David, have mercy on me. All he could do was ask for mercy. He had no claim on God because of his achievements, but the crowd rebuked him. Why? Well, maybe they told him to hush so they could hear Jesus better. Maybe they told him to be quiet because he kept saying son of David, which was a messianic title, and they were afraid that this dangerous revolutionary and political overtones might be associated with Jesus. They were already oppressed enough by Rome. They didn't see any need for additional hardship or beatings because some curb sitter who couldn't see what was going on was publicly shouting inflammatory words. Maybe they told him to keep quiet because they didn't think a blind man deserved Jesus' time and attention. Obviously, according to Jewish theology, he was a blind beggar and that was already two signs that he was a sinner and being punished for it. Because if you're blind and you're poor, then it must be because God's punishing you. So they thought. So he was an insignificant person who did not merit Jesus' attention. And to their astonishment, Jesus said, call him here. And they called him, Bartimaeus, get up, he's calling you. And there's a strange little detail in verse 50. Throwing off his mantle, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Has it ever occurred to you what an act of faith that was? Because his mantle was his blanket. If you've ever seen a homeless person, you know how important a blanket is to them. That is not only their warmth in the evening, it's like their tent, it's their covering. It's their most important possession. If he's blind and he throws it off, how's he ever going to find his way back to it again. So basically, he left everything he owned behind in a simple moment, an act. And he did the very thing that incidentally a wealthy man would not do when he asked Jesus earlier how he could win eternal life. Jesus said, leave, give, leave all you have to the poor and come follow me. Well, that's what Bartimaeus was doing. He's leaving all he had. And Jesus looked at him and said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Master, let me see again. What do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus wanted sight. It was obvious. Very well, Bartimaeus, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And it's interesting that Bartimaeus did not go. He came. It says he followed Jesus. He received his sight and followed him on the way. He refused to be silenced or restrained. And Jesus demonstrated by his action that everything he said, he corroborated by what he did. And so we come and we ask that question, what, what do you want God to do for you? What do you want Jesus to do for you? How would you respond? I remember, do you remember the old series, I Dream of Jeannie? 
Jeannie was constantly offering her master, Major Nelson, who later turned out to be J.R. Ewing on Dallas, who, who knew? I remember thinking if I had one more wish, I'd just ask for a hundred more wishes. Why did they never do that? The one thing Bartimaeus asked Jesus for was worth a hundred wishes. He asked for it all to be able to see. Jesus looked at this blind man. He knew what he needed, but he wanted Bartimaeus to ask, to admit his need and his dependency upon him. And I don't think it's a coincidence, but if you look back up at verse 36, 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, this is to James and John in the same chapter, what do you want me to do for you? It's the exact same question, the exact same wording. And James and John said, we want to be big wheels. We want to have positions of authority and power on your right hand and left hand when you come into glory. They squandered it. We need to be able to see with our hearts and with our eyes. And I think it's important for us to ask. God knows what we need before we ask. But why does he want us to ask? Because it acknowledges our need. It acknowledges our dependence. He doesn't save anybody who doesn't confess their sins and ask for forgiveness. That's where it has to begin. Just like if you have a child and you know what they need, you still love for them to come and sit on your lap and ask, them for, and ask you for something because it's that nature of that relationship, that love, that trust, that dependence that's required in asking. Blind and deaf from the age of two, Helen Keller was asked by a young boy, isn't it the worst thing in the world to be blind? And she said, no, not as bad as having two good eyes and still seeing nothing. Susan and I had a friend in seminary named Faye Burgess. Faye was blind, but she could play the piano and sing and write music as well as anybody in music school. I saw her crossing the seminary campus one night. It was about 9 o'clock. I think she was coming from the music building where she had been practicing. And she was walking across the campus in total darkness. It never occurred to me how easy that would be for a blind person to do. And I asked her how she learned to do that. And she said, well, she carried a cane for a while and counted the steps between every building and grew familiar with the campus and her surroundings. And she got the feel of things. And she could maneuver not only as well as the rest of us, but a lot of times better than the rest of us. And I remember when we parted, she said, see you later. Because I think she could see things in ways that you and I never could. The Christmas season of 1879, an agnostic newspaper reporter in Boston saw three little girls standing in front of a store window full of toys. One of the three little girls was blind. And stepping closer, the reporter overheard the two other girls trying to describe the playthings in the window to their blind friend. And it prompted that newspaper man to write a story in which he said he had never thought how difficult it would be to describe something to someone who had never been able to see. 
Two weeks later, this same agnostic was attending a revival being held by the famous evangelist Dwight L. Moody. And to his surprise, Moody used that newspaper reporter's story about the three girls to illustrate a point. He said, just as that blind girl could not visualize the beautiful toys in that window, so an unsaved person cannot visualize the beauty of God. But he added that God does give to any who will receive spiritual eyes to see his gifts of love and grace. (laughs) That newspaper reporter asked Jesus to come into his heart that night. We are so unable to focus on the needs and concerns and hurts of others that stare us in the face and we just refuse to see. One little boy was asking another little boy, wouldn't you hate to wear glasses all the time? And the little playmate said, no, not if I had the kind of glasses my grandma has. And he said, what do you mean? He said, well, she sees how to fix a lot of things and she knows a lot of things to do on rainy days and she sees when people are tired and worried and she sees what makes them feel better. She sees what you meant to do even if you don't do it exactly right. I asked her one day how she could always see that way all the time. And she said it is the way she learned how to look at things as she grew older. So I guess it must be her glasses. That boy concluded, which enabled his grandmama to see so well. She had overcome the blind spots in her life and sharpened her vision of others. So when God asked her, as Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? He gave her sight. What do we need more than to be able to see clearly the needs of those we meet? Here we are, sitting on the sidelines, people needing, begging, wanting relationships all around us. As blind as Bartimaeus, and like him, needing God to heal them and help them see. And they're asking, help me receive my sight. And we have the message that means it's your faith that can heal you. Go your way. We who have been given sight and are followers of Jesus, need to share that message of vision to others. Let's pray. God, thank you for showing us yourself in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the joy that he gives us and the privilege we have of knowing you and being in a love relationship with you. And there are blind beggars sitting all around us in this community, and in this world. And we know what they need. Food and clothing and shelter won't meet the deepest needs of the human heart, but it's a start. And once that is provided, then we can tell them about you and offer what they really need. Thank you for blessing us 
folks who've come back from China and Peru and Kenya have, have seen how so much of the world has to live. And you have given us so much, not because we are inherently more worthy, but because you desire that we would be a blessing to others. So help us do that faithfully and well. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.